Please be seated. Now y'all know Eudea and Syntyche, those two women from the second lesson. Eudea and Syntyche are two women who, like other biblical names, you don't hear a lot of people named after them. And I think it's because we know who they are in the church. They're the people that are bickering on the side. And Paul's praying for there to be peace in this church. And the interesting thing is he's writing from prison, saying, can we not all get along? Can we do this work together? He doesn't know whether he's going to live or die. And he has these words of praise and this hope of community. And he has this urgent desire for us to work together in love. In the Gospel of Matthew, we have been learning about what does it mean to be a church together in love. It's not just like it says in the other epistles about, you know, um, patient and kindness and slow to anger. There's this powerful way that we can love and be together. So the Gospel of Matthew has spent the last 10 chapters, if you want a Bible study for this fall, read Matthew 15 through 25 about what it means to be a loving church. It's his plea. It's what the calling is for us. It's the only time in all four Gospels, and it's used twice, the word church. Let's don't be like Judea and Syncate. Be of the same mind in the Lord. Help them, for they have struggled in this work of the Gospel to be loving and kind and compassionate. Matthew starts off and he says in um, the beginning, like the 18th chapter, if we are going to be church with love that is a powerful force for change, we have to be humble. And he gives the story about the first being last. And then he goes on to say, if we want to be a church about loving, not only do we need to be humble, we need to understand the power of community. What we bind on earth is bound in heaven. And when two or three are gathered, Jesus is here with us. If we want to be a loving church, he goes on to say, we have to forgive each other. Seventy times seven times. Now, I've been married 35 years, and I was like, you know, I think I'm around 745, 746 times I have forgiven my husband. That's what I last count. But then I realized that whatever that count is, he's done that one more. And that's how we keep being in love together. Then he says, not only do you have to be humble and communal and forgiving, you need to be surrendering. We have to be a church that surrenders, which feels crazy. But surrendering is this idea that not of giving in and giving up, but the idea of giving our whole selves. You put your whole self in. Leave nothing back. 
That is how we are going to be able to stand up and resist evil, to do what is good, to love what is true, honorable, just, and pure, and pleasing, and commendable. It's through this idea of not holding part of ourselves back. Then he says you have to be fruitful. If you want to be church in love, you have to produce good fruits. And then finally this week, we have to be hospitable. We have to be this welcoming to everybody that comes in in a powerful and appropriate and beautiful way. Now, I come from a, from a community called Thistle Farms in Nashville, Tennessee, started 26 years ago. I was an ordained Episcopal priest, and I thought, you know what, it'd be fun to open up a house and invite five women in and do it exactly as I would like it to be done for me if I was coming off the streets or out of prison. Pay nothing, have it be beautiful, have no authority over me. A lot of us who have a history of sexual abuse, especially from childhood, we know that authority is one of our biggest triggers. So if we want to be community, we have to go back to the old Benedictine model and be really hospitable and welcoming where the guest is the most honored person in the room. So he opened up a house and it did really well. We opened up more houses. We started this justice enterprise rooted in the idea that poverty is part of the violence and vulnerability of women who are on the streets. And we grew and we grew, started a national network, a global enterprise working with about 1,400 women across the world who are both artisans and survivors doing amazing work. And we knew that if we wanted to be about real hospitality, that we had to offer love in a way that felt appropriate and good. I could stand up here and tell you a hundred stories about all the successes of that, about the successes of the model, the great work we've done. But honestly, what's sticking out in the gospel to me is the story of the poor guy who didn't have on the right outfit. That's the heartbreaking part. And I told BJ, who's been, honestly, you've been so amazing and welcoming that I just wanted to skip that part. And I wanted to just say that was part of the redaction. Somebody else wrote that, probably some mean church elders. <laughs> but I know people who haven't been welcomed into the banquet for a lot of reasons, good and bad, whether, you know, for the sake of the safety of the rest of the community or whatever reason you put in. I met people over and over again, over decades, who have been cast out with a gnashing of teeth. And so in this spirit of wanting to be church and wanting us to come together and say we are inclusive and welcoming and we go out to the streets and this is the feast and whatever makes us want to hold back, don't hold back, whether it's your fear or shame or any of those things, that this is a safe place for us to feast together. I want to tell you about the story of Peggy Sue. 
I met Peggy Sue early on into this work when I still knew that I didn't know enough. You know, this whole idea of healing, it's called an art and a practice because we don't know what we're doing, right? So Peggy Sue, I met her when she was um, chained to a bed at General Hospital in Nashville, Tennessee. She had been released from the prison because she was dying, so she weighed about 85 pounds, so she had a feeding tube in and was shackled to the bed. And she told me that she was born into a Baptist family and she had studied scripture. She was also horribly abused and cast out to the streets. She had pulled together enough sobriety to learn how to be a baker. With a whole world that felt like it had landed on her back and almost broke her. She talked about the effects of generational trauma and abuse and racism and poverty in the South. When we visited, I went back for days. She was just longed for home. She never got to come into the Magdalene community and she died. She died in state custody, longing for home, longing for the feast. No one claimed her body, so we took it in a cardboard box. And we gathered with three or four of us to do a funeral. I was like, this is it. This is the worst the world has to offer. And the end of it is a cardboard box with three or four people who know very little about you. I was like, we'll just do what we do, right? You sing a song. You offer a prayer, I'll say some nice words. And so we stood with a cardboard box and I said, the Lord be with you. And then no one spoke. No one could speak because love was so thick in that space that when there is nothing else, love rushes in. I have never felt the presence of love in a space like that in my life. That if there is a chariot that swoops down, it is for the people who have been wailing and gnashing their teeth that couldn't find their place at the banquet. If there is a chariot, it's for the people who long for a feast. I will always be grateful to her because she has taught me very clearly that no matter how hard it is in this world with these horrible polarizing politics in this incredibly uncertain economic times and these devastating wars and more and more women left in refugee camps around the world that are subject to trafficking, that are living their most vulnerable hard spaces, that love is present there. And because love is present there, there is church there. We have plenty to be humble about. We have plenty to be grateful for. We have plenty to celebrate. We have plenty to give thanks over that can bear good fruit. We are beggars. We all have at one point or another been left outside. A church without beggars is just a museum. So we give thanks in that space in our lives when we've known that. 
that God still welcomes us in with a rush of love. I pray that we continue to be church in the most powerful way by loving one another with radical hospitality.